Good morning, Chevy Chase. Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you all in worship. A couple of quick housekeeping things. You probably already have seen me run around with this. You're going to see some more of it. We do these inside church looks that go up on social media uh, Monday morning, so you'll see your faces. But I need you all to do me a favor before we start that. Some of you might have not been in a selfie before. All you got to do is smile and wave your hand and wave. The sound will be off. So, all right. Do your best to get in. Hey, wave. We're at Chevy Chase. It's awesome. Yay. All right. Perfect. You look great. So, thank you, Molly. She's correct. This is much like the job of a bishop, but in true Presbyterian fashion and form. I don't actually have any power like a bishop would in another denomination. But what's more devastating to me is that I do not get a cool hat or a ring or some type of scepter, you know, to carry around. I've been on the job only a couple of months, and my hope is to get to connect it to all of our churches. There are 104 of you all. If you basically take a map and put a pin in Washington, D.C., and stretch it out about 25 miles, you'll get our region of where our churches fall and lie, and you all are doing great. You're one of our thriving, growing, awesome congregations. You have two great pastors, which is a rarity to have a, a great team like Molly and Eric. I have to remind myself not to call Eric Peltzy. Um, the two of us went to seminary together. Eric was a superstar receiver on our flag football team. You can steal that one and use it as much as you want. Peltzy. Pastor Peltzy. Yes, yes, yes. Our second reading this morning comes to us in Matthew's gospel. This, much like the first reading, is a calling story of Jesus going and deciding who his disciples are going to be. So we catch this story right in the middle in the fourth chapter of Matthew's gospel. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him as he went from there. He saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, curing every sickness and disease and, among, and, hearing, and, hearing all, and hearing, healing all the people. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. All right, Chevy Chase, we are going to talk about a word and an idea that might be a little bit uncomfortable for some of us good Presbyterians. We call it the E word. It's evangelism. Scary, right? Evangelism. I'm assuming you already draw up ideas of, of people on TV in the 70s and people outside metro stops, maybe in your commute. There's a certain ugh, that sometimes gets carried along with the word evangelism. But today, we're going to explore that idea together and how you, each of you sitting in these pews, are evangelists for Christ. So we're going to participate in a quick survey simply by a show of hands. All right. How many of you got here this morning or 80 Sundays ago or whenever it was, 60 years ago, 55 years ago, however long it is you have been 
part of Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church. How many of you came here because this is all you know? I went to Sunday school here. My parents were here. Um, this is the church that I was raised and brought up. Is that anybody out there today? Been here, been here your whole life. All right, yes, yes. All right, next category. How many of you got here because you moved to the D.C. area because you work for the State Department or for some organization you can't tell us who it is just yet, and you were from North Carolina, you were from Missouri or Oregon or wherever it was, you were Presbyterian, you went to a Presbyterian church, you got here, and depending on what decade it was, you flipped through the yellow pages or you got on Google and you said, what's the closest Presbyterian church? And this was either the first one or maybe the third one you tried out, but you came here because you were Presbyterian at some other part of the country. Right. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Category three, which is now my favorite category. How many of you got here today, last week, 40 years ago? How many of you came to this church because someone who participated in the life of ministry here, a member, a friend, a deacon, an elder, a pastor, somebody who was already here said to you, you know what? I have a great church. It's a great community. We do some awesome things, and I think you would be a perfect fit in our church. Why don't you come to a potluck? Why don't you come to Sunday morning? Why don't you participate in vacation Bible school? Whatever it was, how many are here because somebody invited you to something here at the church? Yes, look at that. You guys got evangelists out there in these pews. And the last one, catch all. How many of you here because you have a great organist and an awesome choir and you have you don't have carpet, you have bricks, or you have red cushions instead of green cushions, and there's a middle aisle instead of only side aisles, or this, this pastor only preaches from Mark, or blah, 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 blah. The catch-all. Who's here for one of those other reasons? We have ushers that don't wear gloves. Eh, okay. That might be a long story here. Who knows? All right. So no matter how it is you found your way here, whether it was today or some other Sunday in years past, Somebody at some point in your life shared with you this beautiful love story that we call the gospel. There's something that happened in them from the impact of a Sunday school teacher or a person in the pews or their pastor that said, this has excited me. My heart is now has a, a, a place for God. In it. I'm, I'm on fire about this faith. And I want to share that story with you. All of you are here because at some point, even if it's just a witness of baptism. At some point, somebody said, I want to share this beautiful story of faith with you. And through all those lists of reasons, you found yourself here at Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church, and we thank you for that. So I'm going to invite you to think of something in your mind right now that you love. Don't say, oh, it's my church from all this great stuff you just shared. Think of something that you love in your life. Person, place, thing, idea, favorite meal, favorite song, a movie, a, a spot in the park. Think of something in your life that you absolutely love. Makes your heart excited. You get, you get goosebumps just, just thinking about it. What is that thing that you love? All right, now you have that thing. I want you to think about how then you share that with other people. For me, when I think of something that I love, the, the cop-out easy answer is my family. I got two awesome boys. One is downstairs, hopefully done with a bottle and ready to go home at some point soon. And the other is a two-year-old who's at St. Columba's Episcopal Church down the street where my wife is in the 
as an associate rector there. So I can easily save my family. That awesome kids. It's so much fun. But when I think about that thing that excites my heart and passion that I want to share with as many people as I can, because pictures of your kids can get annoying at some point, is the American musical art form of hip-hop. It is something that I fell in love with very early on, or younger than I probably should have. And it's something that I still burns in my heart today of doing my best as a 36-year-old to keep up with what 16-year-olds are listening to and albums coming out and concerts that I probably can never go to again. But I like to be updated on this art form as much as I can. And my favorite album in the hip-hop catalog is an album by a group called the Wu-Tang Clan. They are from Staten Island in New York City. This first album is called Enter the 36 Chambers. If you're not a hip-hop connoisseur, please do not go out and download this album. This is, this is a, 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 a PhD seminar level album for those of you who aren't familiar with, with how hip-hop goes just yet. Go download the Hamilton soundtrack if you're, if you're, if you're <laughs> hey, what's my entree in, into this? So their first album was called Enter the 36 Chambers, and it was this huge, groundbreaking album. It's these late teens, early 20s, kids from very poor areas of New York City, and the way they made this album was so unique and different. It wasn't just from electronic drum machines on keyboards. It wasn't just from sampling old music from the 60s and the 70s. It was incorporating uh, audio from, from kung fu movies, and then to make their drum sounds, they wanted this gritty New York City street feel so they would drop rusty paint cans on the floor and drag chains across the ground to create the percussion sound of this album. And I love this album to this day. I listened to it two weeks ago on my commute. So, album comes out late 1993. I need to go out and purchase this album. I'm, I was in sixth grade at that point. I'm scrounging together every penny that I possibly can. It's 1993. I'm a sixth grader in middle school. How do I acquire this album? On what medium? A cassette tape. Does anybody remember those things? Cassette tape. And I didn't have the fancy Walkman that would automatically rewind the tape once you got to the end. I had to open it up like a commoner and take it out and turn it around and stick it back in. And I play that album over and over and over again. So much so that, as you remember, the tape would break and burn. And I'd sit there with a lamp on my desk and putting scotch tape and razor blades to hold the tape back together. Pencil marks from jamming it in the wheel to wind it back up so that I could continue to play it on my Walkman. Fast forward, 1997. The Wu-Tang Clan is going to release their second album, the very first double album released in the hip-hop industry. What medium do I need to go out and purchase this album on now? On a CD. So I go out and get the CD, and I play it so much, and I stuff it in every bag that I possibly can that the, the back of it looks like who knows what, scratches of, of all deep marks, and I would rub toothpaste and peanut butter on it, thinking that would help do something to make it play better, and it didn't. But I still went out and repurchased that first album, my favorite album of all time, again on a different medium to have it on CD to fit in my CD collection. Fast forward a couple years, it's now 2000. I'm headed off to college. I have this huge collection of CDs, but nobody's really using CDs anymore, so I have to convert all my music digitally. So I buy this album yet again on iTunes as an MP3 to have it digitally on my collection. 
years past now, what is it, 20 years later, I've probably purchased it three or four other times now because I've fallen for some trick about this is digitally remastered, this is a special 20th anniversary, or we're going to hear commentating on this, on this piece. But I love that album. So if I wanted to share that with you, what would I do? I'd bring you over to the house. I'd pour you a, a, a nice glass of whiskey or whatever your favorite drink might be. I, I would get the, 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 the best speaker or headphones that I could find in my house for you to be able to sit and listen. We would spend hours listening to this one album together. But you know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't go back and get the medium that I fell in love with. I wouldn't go to my mom's garage and pull out that old cracked up plastic case of a cassette with duct tape holding it together. I wouldn't bring that to you and say, you need to fall in love with this story this way because this is how I did it. I would make sure I found the very best. I'd buy it again just to make sure it was the highest quality sound that I possibly could get because I want to share that love story with you. And I want to be able to, for it to be the very best, the highest quality, so you can also fall in love with the thing that I did. This morning's story is about sharing a love story. Our call as disciples, much like the call was 2,000 years ago, is to go out into this world and to share this story that has transformed our hearts with as many people as we possibly can. So Jesus knows that his mission is to be able to tell this story that's already been going on, but he needs a new medium. That other medium is a little bit outdated. The tape is cracked and beat up and it's held together with scotch tape. The, the, the back of the CD is all, is all scratched. People aren't, it's not as easy to fall in love with it because the medium is old and brittle and cracked. So, he finds these young boys to be his disciples. They're from around age 11 to some of them might be in their early to late 20s. But he finds them and he says, I'm going to use you to go out and tell this love story with me. But see, these boys who were out fishing, they at some point in their life were already disciples. In the ancient Near East, if you were born into a Jewish family, the hope was, if you were a male, the hope was you would become a disciple and eventually become a rabbi also. So every little boy would follow around a rabbi and get the teachings of what the rabbi would do. And eventually, the rabbi would have to make some cuts, some tough decisions. Well, you're not reading fast enough. You don't track this fast enough. Your, your prayers aren't good enough. You're not really following along. So why don't you then go home and be with your family? Why don't you go home and do what your family's been doing for generations? Why don't you go home and start to tell their story of how they navigate and move throughout the world? So Jesus gathers these young men who have been told at some point in your life by a religious authority that you were not good enough. Your way of telling this story didn't hold up. So what Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't say to these, to these young men at this point, I want you to go back and, and dust off your notes. Remember that time you were walking with the rabbi? He must have said something to you that, that didn't work. I, I want you to find out what that was, and we're going to really work on that so that you can become a better rabbi. All those old teachings that you've, that you've got, the, the, the things from the past, I want you to make sure you, you dust up on those really well because I'm going to use those to help tell this love story. He doesn't say that to them. He says, what, what's, what, what, what are you holding on to now? 
What, what is your passion in life? Much like the story from Exodus and Moses, God asked Moses, what is it that you're holding on to right now? What do you have that I can use now to help you tell this same love story? So these disciples, these, these, these young men who've been told at some point they weren't good enough to be disciples, they're holding something in their hands. What is it? Nets, fishing nets. It's this beautiful analogy we have for what it means to be a disciple, an evangelist, right? We're going we're gonna to cast this net out into this wide open sea in hopes that it spreads as wide as it possibly can to catch as many different fish for us to pull it back in to be able to share in this story of what God is doing for life, for liberation, for peace, for happiness and wholeness. It's imagery, right? We can throw it out there, trusting that God will be able to do the work to catch the fish, to bring it back in so that we can share. So we see that in Sunday school lessons. It's cut in stone in front of church buildings that we are going to go out and fish for people. To catch them, to bring them along, to to help them see how God is moving and working and doing amazing things in their life and in this world. But that's not all of this story. Half of these disciples, these soon-to-be disciples, are out there casting nets. They're doing something they could do with their eyes closed in the middle of the night. Their family's been doing this for generations. The, 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 the muscles in their wrist have been trained over decades of how to exactly cast it perfectly so you can optimize how many fish you are going to get. But they know in order to do their work, it's not just about casting their net. They need to make sure that their tool to survive, their tool for their family to be able to be whole is not just on how well they can cast, but how up-to-date their equipment is. See, these second batch of disciples are back in their boat, not getting ready to cast out nets, but mending them, fixing them because they know they've been broken. They know they've been hanging on a wall for too long in the sun, and they're, and they're, and they're brittle and dry, or it's been laid under a boat, and now it's all wet and soft and stretchy. They need to make sure that their tool for survival is fully up-to-date, that it's the best that it possibly can be. See, Chevy Chase, God has given us tools to go out and to grow the church. And when I say grow, I don't just mean butts in seats and more dollars in offering plate, but growth in the broadest, widest sense possible. Who are we connecting with to tell our love story? A love story that is unique to this room. A love story that is unique to this particular gathering of people. How are you retelling? Maybe, like many of our churches, you need to re-examine your tools. Are they dry? Are they brittle? Are they, are they too old? Are, are, are the holes in the net now too big? Do we need to take time to make sure that we mend so that when we go out there to share the story, we are sharing it at our best? And we also have to remember that we're not falling in love with the medium. It's not the things that got us here to the church that have us staying to participate in this life of faith together. It is God's love. That is the substance. That is what we have fallen in love with, and that is what we go on to tell more people about. Not that I fell in love with this album because it was on a cassette tape, but because I loved the music. I loved what was happening sound-wise on that album, what it did for my life. I didn't fall in love with the different mediums that I tried that eventually got outdated. But the song, the music, the sound always stayed the same. 
So Chevy Chase, look at your hands. What are you holding on to? What gifts have God given this unique gathering of people that you can go out into the world and tell this love story? To share it with as many people as you possibly can in as many diverse ways as possible, knowing that it is all part of the exact same love story of faith. The story that brought some of you here 65 years ago, the story that brought some of you here this morning. Find out what that thing is God has already given you that you are holding on to now. That you could use with your eyes closed in the middle of the night. A tool that you know very well. What is that? Go out there and use it. To grow God's church. To throw it out into an open sea. Knowing that it is at its very best.